Hallelujah. He knows my name. He knows our name. Amen. We are so thankful for that, that we were in the mind of God before the very foundation of the world. And, and He has revealed that to us, that our representation lays in Him. Amen. This goes right along with a song I was reminded of earlier this week. It's an old hymn. I know whom I have believed. Um, it's key of, uh, I think it's key of A flat. I'm not even sure. <clears throat> That's the one. Amen. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me. Thank you. 
the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. We know whom we have believed. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. The very God of heaven. Come down to earth and give us his word. Amen. And we can stand on those blessed promises. Hallelujah. I'd like to sing another song, an old hymn. There was a time on earth, the old account. I think that one's in A flat. (laughs) There was a time on earth when in the book of heaven an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top and many things below it struck off. Hallelujah. And Yeah. 
Amen. Hallelujah. That just reminds me of the service on Sunday, Brother Tom. We've got the abstract title deed and every claim against us, every lien against us, every accusation of Satan is struck off. Amen. The slate is clean. The page is white. The book is white as snow. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe we can stand together and we'll just sing a little chorus. Lord, I lift your name, your holy name. We just want to praise the Lord this evening. It's so wonderful just to when we think of what he's done for us and where he's brought us from and to. Amen. Amen. That's, we praise his name this evening. Lord, I lift your name, your holy name, Jehovah God, Elohim, you're the great. here tonight written in from our uh, sister Roxanne Hoffman and it's for her mother sister Florence Bessie who is in the hospital um, doctors are doing tests um, they're not sure what the problem is but just requesting prayer for her and that the doctors would be granted wisdom to be able to find the problem we know that the Lord Jesus already knows what the problem is and he is already provided he is the great physician the healer of all of our afflictions and all of our diseases amen brother john walder i'd like to invite you to come up and lead us in prayer tonight good to have you here this evening come on brother amen just if you have a need just bring it hold it up before the lord and god sees our needs amen god bless you brother bow our heads dear heavenly father we come before you tonight lord jesus humbly sincerely lord knowing we're coming before a living god holy god a sinful man we just pray that your blood would cover us lord forgive us of our sins lord our shortcomings our failures lord we just pray that you would wash us and cleanse us lord as we come before you tonight We become before your word. We pray that it would wash us, Lord. 
there's any parts that we need to change, if there's anything we need to do, Lord, try us, Lord, search us, Lord. With your word, we just invite you, Lord, to have your way, have your preeminence, Lord. You are God. You are not bound by any of our imaginations or bound by any of our boxes, Lord. You can come to a room. You can come to a hospital, Lord. We know that you are alive, Lord. We know that you are real. And we just pray that you would have your way tonight, Lord. Anoint the brother that would speak, Lord. Give him unction, Lord Jesus. We just love you, Lord, tonight. We pray for these needs, Lord. You are the God that healeth us. You healed us when you died on the cross, Lord. You finished the work, Lord Jesus. And I pray that you would move on the behalf of these needs, Lord. Those virtues that you purchased at Calvary of healing and salvation. May the healing come to the sister who had the need and the different ones, Lord. We have needs. We have family that has needs, Lord. We just pray that you would just go, Father. And you would meet the need, Lord God. You're not a dead God. You're alive. You're still living. You're still able, Lord Jesus. And we pray that you would continue to do a work. And Brother Henry, Lord, Brother Milko, these brothers, Sister Lisa, Lord, we're holding our faith. We're not backing down. We're not giving any room for the enemy, Lord. We claim their healing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May you strengthen, encourage them, and give them faith, Lord. We love you tonight, Lord. We just pray that you would just have your preeminence, Lord. May your word come to every heart, every life, Lord, and do a work in our lives, we pray. We just commit this time into your hands, Lord. May you be pleased with everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brother John. I appreciate that. Maybe uh, you can have your seats this evening. We've got a couple of announcements. Um, Brother Mike Michael Ray is going to be ministering tonight, and we're going to invite him to come here. In just a few minutes, a um, couple of announcements. Um, the next two Sundays, which is uh, Victoria Day in Canada, and then the following Sunday is Memorial Day in the States, there's only going to be one service in the morning uh, at 11 a.m. So next Sunday and the Sunday after at 11 a.m. and only one service. And then, uh, Lord willing, Brother Murphy will be in Washington for June the 6th, which is the following weekend after Memorial Day weekend, and then the June the 13th, so two weekends after the holidays, and Brother Murphy will be down in Washington, Lord willing. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure the Lord's willing. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's uh, sing a little chorus. We used to sing... Uh, I don't know, maybe we've sang it here. I believe God, I believe God, it shall be done, even as he says. Number one in the songbook, I believe. Amen. I believe God, I believe God, ask what you will, and it shall be done. Trust and obey, believe him and say, I believe, I believe God. I believe. 
Amen. We're believers. Hallelujah. I'd like to sing a little chorus. One of them, one of them. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them believers. Amen. Hallelujah. We are together. One of that number. Amen. Let's start with the chorus. One of them. Hallelujah. One of them. Well, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Hallelujah. singing and rejoicing. Amen. It's coming. Brother Tom's prophesying back over here. It's coming. (laughs) Hallelujah. We're looking forward to it. Amen and amen.
Amen. Well, we'll change the order of the service now and invite our brother Michael. and Maybe we can just sing that song, As the deer panteth for the water. We're longing for more of Jesus. Amen. Come and minister through the preaching of the word. Hallelujah. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. Oh, you.
let's just stand and worship him now. Lift your hands and set it all aside now. Oh, we place you in the highest place. And for you are the great high Oh, we place you oh, high above. desire tonight, Lord, that we could lift up our hands, Lord, our voices before your throne and place you in the highest place. Lord, clear everything out of our lives. Lord, that we could even remotely be close to the highest place. So there's a major gap between you and the highest, Lord, that most highest place in our life. And the next thing, may there be so much space, Lord, so you can be, Lord, so revered so present, so exalted in our life, oh God. Lord, for you are our high priest. Oh, Jesus, Lord, our love for you, Lord, is, Lord, just wants to outpour tonight, Lord. Just, just flow from our lips, Lord. Flow from our heart, oh God. Lord, that we can indeed place you in that position, Lord. Lord, not second, not third, but first place, Lord. Oh, you're a gentleman. Your prophet said he'll take any place. He'll take any place, but Lord, we don't want you in any place. We want you in the first, most highest place in our life, Lord. If that's not the case, we pray tonight your word will go forth, Lord, and it will re-alter priorities. It will re-examine lives, Lord. And Lord, you would at the end of this service, Lord, be at the first and foremost place of each and every life, Lord. Tonight we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, we commit the service, your word that would go forth, and the hear that would hear. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Good to see you all, both here and there. Amen. Is that our desire tonight? Place him in the highest place. Amen. That's our burden in our hearts tonight. Maybe just notch me down a little bit there, Brother Sam. I feel like I'm just bellowing out there. Apologize. Amen. Well, we'll turn our Bibles tonight. Thank you, musicians. Mention Brother Jonathan for his birthday today. Happy birthday, Brother Jonathan. Amen. He's been a big part of the states down there and well through this year and holding the fort there. And so it's, we're thankful for your life. God bless you on this day. May you be inundated with many texts now after that. God bless you. <laughs> Isaiah 6. 
is where we're going to speak tonight. Lord, help me a little bit. It's uh, maybe just a different pace tonight. I'll maybe try to slow down. I say maybe. And uh, just take it a little bit easy. And we'll see where we get to. And if, if must needs, we'll go to another part. Isaiah 6, and we'll read in verse 1. And the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. What a moment. My, that angel, the seraphim, would be shouting out, Holy, holy is the Lord, and the whole earth is filled with his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. I can't even imagine the size of the door as we're in, we're in eternity here. We're in the throne room, in the temple of God, and the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. My, the house was filled with smoke. What a moment this was. Then I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from the off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth, and said, lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. And also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then said I, Here am I. Send me. Amen. You may have your seats. Here am I. Send me. I pray that's all of our hearts cry. Lord, here am I. Send me. Whatever you're bidding, whatever you desire, whatever it is, send me. I'm a willing vessel. Amen. There was Isaiah. First it was, woe is me. And I'm sure he fell to the ground. I'm undone. I'm unworthy. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a sinner. I'm a wretch. In the midst of a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king. He's seen the most holiest of holies. The king of kings. The lord of lords. And here then the seraphim comes and takes a live coal. But Abraham says that's the holy ghost and fire out of, in his hand. And he places on his lips and cleanses him. And from that moment... It changes. Now it's not, woe is me. It's, who must, who will go? And he says, me. Me. I'm going. Amen. Here are our scriptures tonight. I just want to take a little bit, a little topic. I want to, I don't even know how to title it, but I'm just going to title it reverence, humility, and action. And, uh, just take a little bit of the scripture here. Twain, he had six wings. The seraphim in verse two. Twain, he had six wings. Two. He covered his face. But Abraham said he covered his face in the presence of God and had to be reverent. Second, the two wings over his feet meant humility before God. And the third set of wings, now he put himself in action. He could fly with his two wings. So you see two over his face, two over his feet, and flying with two. Reverence, humility, and in action. So we'll just take a little bit of, little bit of time to speak about that a little bit. We, we live in a day where reverence... Uh, is probably at maybe an all-time low, I would say. And when we look at reverence, I want to speak maybe a little bit of the fear of God. 
Because that word, and we'll go into it, is in reverence and to be revered, is, is, is to fear. And we've had services on fear over the last month or so, and, and uh, Brother Murphy and myself, we've spoken that, and I want to just flip the coin a little bit and speak about a different fear, the fear of God, which is completely different than the fear that Satan would put in this age and want to place fear on the people. This is a different, wholly different fear that, uh, that we have. And so it's the fear, the fear of God. You know, we just, the day and age we live in, we can, you know, so many things have, have, have just vanished away. Uh, and I just was pondering about the different aspects of our world, maybe some of the formalities that, uh, that we used to hold. And I say we very broadly, uh, you know, we barely call anybody Mr. and Mrs. anymore. You know, that just is gone. Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, it's just, it's first name basis. Hey, Bob, hey, John, you, you could be eight years old and it's, hey, Tom, hey, J- you know, hey, Jerry, it, it's, it's ebbed away. These formalities, these, these aspects that would bring or culture respect have been com- diminished and we're turning very casual or a very casual age. And so these aspects are vanishing. The workplace attire is completely changed. We would come in on our suits and our ties and usually come into the office looking very proper. That was just how it was. I'm not saying these are wrong or right. I'm just saying this is how it was. And now, you know, to see someone in a tie in a workplace is probably very, well, probably very rare. It's, you know, this is casual. It's the jeans, the shirt, the button shirt maybe hanging out, you know, the, the, the cash shoes. And it's, it's, you know, it's hipster at the office now. That's where it's gone. It's, it's now, it's, 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 we've pulled away from that aspect of formality, which has indeed also then hindered, or I should say maybe diminished some aspects of maybe some respect. We used to say sir and ma'am. Again, I say we broadly. Doors used to be open for ladies. Now I'm sure no one's even thinking about it. Who's behind them? The door shuts. It doesn't even matter. Maybe if it's an older person or not, men used to tip their hats. Maybe they'd take their hat off for a lady in in days way gone by. These things don't exist anymore. But let's just look at span of time and see what has changed through the years. Women, currently now not taking the the man's name in marriage. What What a slap in, in, in the face of God in this age is God, we as a bride taking on his name. And here the, the world is so flipped where the woman is not, is rejecting the name of her husband. This is the world we live in. This is Satan's Eden. Standing. Simple things. Someone new would walk in the room or someone and you'd get up out of your seat and you'd greet them. That would be just common courtesy of days gone by. Now who, who comes in the room? It doesn't really matter. Could be a parent, a grandparent, a friend, a dear friend, someone new, whatever. You know, we just do what we want to do. And all this, some of these I wouldn't say, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying they've ebbed away or they've bit away at respect and reverence for authority or reverence for positions of people maybe in our lives and contribute to the slide of respect. Reverence for authorities has all but vanished. No one wants to respect or revere a policeman anymore. Teachers are threatened daily at schools, cursed at. Political heads don't even really give us any reason to want to respect them. They can't speak civilly to each other or communicate. This is where we live right now. This is where we live right now, and it is all chipped away and whittled it like a beaver on a tree at the reverence and the respect of our age. Not even respect for a church building. I had a situation just this week. I had a car come in here, and 
do some things on our property. And I said, really? I said, this is the church. Oh, sorry, sorry. I said, where's just the common respect for a church? It's gone. It's gone. Respect for our elderly. People are sending them as soon as they can get them to a care home and financially abusing them. Not caring about the care, but just caring about maybe the finances, maybe some inheritance whittled and ebbed the the reverence of this day and age. And so then I wonder, I wonder if these changes in society, the pressures of this age, the Laodicean, the influences of Laodicean age, what has that done to our reverence and respect for God? If it's happened in the natural aspects of our lives and it's all around us and that's whittled there and it's influenced us in some way because I can bet you some of those things apply to you. I said not they're not sinful or bad, but you probably go to the workplace and you don't probably wear a two-piece or three-piece suit. It's just because that's not the way it is. But if that has happened on a natural realm, I warn you what has happened to our reverence and our fear for God. Our fear for God. This lady gave an account recently, not anywhere here that I know of, but it was just an account that she had come across. She was walking down the street and she was busy doing something in front of a store of some such. And just down the way was was a church and it had a, a very large um, sign outside the church. And it was of a cross and it was Christ on the cross and a crown of thorns, and and uh, and, and he was it was there, and they were obviously trying to um, you know garner a, a response or put it in front of the Jesus in front of the people. And the lady was out there, and she was seeing the people walk by, and there was lots of kids in this area that were walking by, and she started counting how often she heard, "Who is that? What is that?" And she got up to forty and stopped counting. And at one point, one person, one child asked their parent and they said, well, who is that? And the response was, well, that's just church stuff. It doesn't matter to you. Here, here, a church trying to put Christ before the people, God before the people in the way that they felt. And the response of our day and age, of a parent this day and age was, that's just church stuff. It doesn't matter to you. I said, oh my goodness. God help us. God help us as we, and I just want to just maybe speak about our reverence for the King of Kings. As these two wings covered the face of a seraphim out of reverence, out of a fear for God. This is an angel of angels. This wasn't just an angel. These were seraphims that were in a specific position and they had to cover their face because they were not worthy to even look. They were, they were revering God so highly. They had wings that were built into their structure so that their faces were just covered as they would shout, holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. And so the fear of God. Now this is not, and I want to say to the children specifically, this is not a, I'm scared fear. I'm afraid of him, fear. It, it, it's so opposite from that. And I really want to make sure, I pray the Lord would just try and, and bring this across a little bit tonight, just a little Wednesday night for everybody here. This We're not scared or fearful in a, a negative sense of God. 
Okay, this, it's not the fear of maybe someone that was a, was a slave and dreads their taskmaster and they've now escaped from them and, and they're, they're fearful of that. There's an afraid fearness there or, uh, you know, that, 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 or we're free from such bondage or, or we're, and, uh, and, and the taskmaster's coming to get us. No, we've been set free. We're at liberty. This is, so we're not under that, that type of fear. This is a fear that's mentioned. It's in reverence and it should, um, it doesn't appall the sense or even scare, scare us, scare us in our thoughts. And, and so it's not that. It's a very different kind of fear. And I'm just going to read a handful of scriptures that, that are on the fear of the God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments and praise endureth forever his praise. Now Israel... What doth the Lord thy God require of thee, but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him and serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with thy soul. And Job, unto a man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Psalms 19, the fear of the Lord is clean. This is a very different fear. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Psalm 34, David saying, Come ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 10, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days. Proverbs 14, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. There's more here to this fear of the Lord than just revering even. This fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. It has life-giving properties to fear him in a reverence, in an awe, in a majesty. This is a different fear. This has nothing to be with afraid. This has nothing to be with I'm scared of him. This has nothing to be with worry and, and concern. This is the fear of the Lord. To have fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. I would want that kind of fear. Lord, give me that fear. If it's a fountain of life, his life, eternal life, because it's his life, I want that fear. This is a fear you need. You need life. To depart from the snares of death. Fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. This is a fear that you must have. Must have. Proverbs fifteen sixteen. Better is little. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure. And trouble therewith. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. And last, I'll read here. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man. Brother Tom preached on blessed, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. There's great blessing to the man and the woman that fears the Lord. So this is a different fear. You want this fear. This is something you must have, this fear. So do not say, well, you know, I'm not supposed to be afraid. No, no, this is not afraid. This is a fear. This is a reverence. The word used there, if you want to look, it's yare in Hebrew. It's to stand in awe, to be awed, to fear, to reverence, to honor, to respect, to cause astonishment, and to inspire reverence. Wow. That's what God should do to us to a son or daughter of god that's what we have towards him is to stand in awe of our god to revere and honor and to be in astonishment at his goodness 
for his mercies endureth forever. How can we not stand in awe? I stand in awe in the presence of the Lord. Why? Because our hope is in him. There's so much. Now when you start realizing what he has done for us, as we'll maybe go through a little bit, how you cannot stand there. How you cannot be in awe. How can you not be in a fear of him? Really, really understand the difference when you say fear. Cast aside this world's understanding of fear and fear of something or I'm scared of something. It's a fear of reverence for the king of kings. But Abraham says, now that don't mean you're afraid of him, but that means you are giving him respects and reverence. And when you respect God, you fear God. You fear that you might displease him in some way. You fear lest you would do something wrong. You wouldn't want to. I fear my mother, I fear my wife, I fear my church, I fear all God's servants unless I should put a stumbling block somewhere in their way. I fear the people, I fear the people of the city, unless I should do something wrong, that would cause them to think that I wasn't a Christian. Think of it. I fear the people of the city, lest I should do something wrong that would cause them to think I wasn't a Christian. This is a whole different aspect of fear. So I just want to take a little bit of time and maybe just give an ex- a bit of an example of this, of this fear. And liken it unto um, uh, maybe a, a father and son or a parent and a child relationship. And having a fear, a child that would revere or respect a father, say a son, a father. He has awe of him. Which arises out of an admiration of his character. I'm just going to go through this again slowly. He is like his son. He is the father to the son is, is a role model. And the youth will look up to his father. Or let's just say a daughter to his mother. Or either or. And they, and they want to do what the father does. As exactly what he would like. What he wants to copy. And so please listen natural. But please catch it spiritual. As we, as a son or daughter of God, are admiring a role model. Something we aspire to be like. We are looking at our father and want to do exactly what he does. I want to copy what he does. What he shows me, I want to do. This is, this is, the, this is uh, the relationship of father-son which will create a, this fear. His judgment to his son is almost infallible. At any rate, if he sees reason to differ from his father, he is long while he brings himself to prefer his own judgment. So his judgment, the father's judgment to his son, it's infallible. God's judgment to a son or daughter is infallible. There's no questioning of it. And if there is, you're sitting long and hard before you'd even want to prefer your own judgment. This is the respect, this is the revere that one would have of God. He has seen in his father's wisdom on other matters so often that he mistrusts his own apprehension and would rather trust to what his father tells him, regardless of what his own apprehensions may be. Okay? This is a fear. This is something that I would pray as fathers and mothers and those that have children. This is what you would aspire to have is your relationship with your son or daughter. Say, Lord, let me have that. May my children aspire and want to be a a role model to them in this capacity. So I would desire that my daughter and my son could fear me in this way. Too many fear them because they're scared of them. 
And the relationship between a father and son and a mother and daughter, vice versa, it's because it's, it's, a, it's a tyrannical relationship and it should never be. It should be this type of fear. It should be under admiration. It should be, I, I desire the wisdom of my father. I desire the judgment of my father. It's infallible before my eyes. And, and, you're, and, and I'm going to question even my own judgment if I even think of questioning because his is so revered before me. This is God to us. A different aspect and level of fear. He has a profound conviction that his father is good. The son does. Kind and wise. And could not do anything or ask him to do anything which would not promote his own good. So if something is required of him, required of the son, required of the daughter, he says, I I might not understand it, but it's going to promote my own good. And so he doesn't, he feels in awe of him, which prevents his questioning of what his father does. As he would have questioned anyone else, maybe he'd question someone else, but he'll not question his father because he fears him. He reveres him. And he has an esteem. And he wouldn't even think of raising a question of his father's character, his conduct, or his conclusions. How much higher? If this is, if this is what one would esteem or aspire to in a natural relationship, how much more would that be in our spiritual relationship with God? His judgment infallible profound conviction that whatever he asks we will do never questioning never wondering if he asks us this to happen if such and such happens it's promoting my goodness it's for my betterment and therefore we we fear and revere our king of kings what a dreadful state for any of us to get into when we question this, start questioning what God does. And you do not then fear him. Because if you fear him in this way, you will not wonder or question, why is this happening to me? God, why you need to demand me an answer? I demand an answer from you. That's not fearing him. That would not be the fear of God. It's the Lord has done it. And that's final. Amen? This is having fear of God. Amen? Wings covering their face, reverence to him. Amen. This is reverence. I just, again, just a little bit of a different service. I just wanted to help understand when you read through the scriptures and you read the fear of God, maybe for our, our younger ones, this is a different fear. This is a revered position. We place you in the highest place. This is the king of kings, the king of glory. I was trying to find pictures. I was trying to find something, even just in nature or, or something that could, could just give us such awe. I, I, man can't contain it or could not, I think, even c- create when you go out in nature. The eyes, I even had some pictures of my own. And you go hiking, you look on the mountains, you look, you're just in, in wonderment. Wow, this is my God that created this. That's just in nature. Just in nature, you could go through the body and go through all the wonderments of the of the of the cre- the creation of God in our bodies itself. Incredible, awe-inspiring. That we can say He does all things well. How can I question what He does? He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'm wondering in my petty little mind, why are you doing this? No, we fear Him. We fear Him with such reverence. 
I was thinking in that level of awe, in that level of, 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 of reverential fear, that worship cannot help but burst forth. When you're in that aspect and you're looking at all glorifying the king of kings, worship should pour out. And if it's not pouring out of you, if worship does not come out, then I wonder, are you revering God the way that you should? Because worship should just come out. It should just outpour. Because you're worshiping, you're awe-inspiring God. Say, Lord, give us more of that reverence. Give us more of that fear so our worship just bubbles forth. The words that's English language can't contain. Lord, we don't even have the words to try and express. We just have such petty aspects in our vocabulary. Just the weakest all the adjectives in the dictionary cannot even come up with words. You might be using reverence and awe and majestic and all these over and over again. God, give us a different language to try and express how amazing, how glorifying, how, how majestic you are. I don't even have words. God, help me. A child will have a, it will have a very attentive Considerate and reverent attitude in his father's presence. This is a child that fears his parent in the right way. An example, if we're in, maybe they're in the house. The house is quiet. A fearful child would tread softly. Maybe take the shoes off so it doesn't make too much noise. Because I wouldn't want to be too boisterous and disturb my father. He doesn't want to disturb the calmness of the home. And so he's considerate of, I, I better, I better not do that. It might disturb him. I wouldn't want to do that out of love. This is a fear. The son is careful, guarding himself, lest he grieves his father by doing anything amiss. And so it is any child of God who sees in God, God sees everything. You could have a child that might be careful that, you know, I don't want to do anything amiss. My parents might see me. But remember, we have a father, heavenly father, that sees everything. It don't matter where you are, whether you're in the quietness of your room or somewhere alone out who knows where or at work, whatever. A son of God, a daughter of God has such a fear, such a reverence. I don't want to do nothing amiss that would harm or would, would disturb or, or it would cause anything that would, that would, that would cause a, a, a wrong thought of my father towards me. Never want to do something contrary to his will. And so you walk that way. Your walk then, my, if that was your constant thought, I'll make sure I, I would never want to, I would never want to do something out of his will. Lord, what is your, what is your will today? Lord, is, is this your desire? And that is your constant thought? That's a fear, a reverent fear for him. Boy, that would change a lot of our, a lot of our lives and our walks with God if that's how we actually walked with reverence. Reverence. Not some casual, oh, you know, you know, not even thinking about it and some casual, don't ditch this, some casual form in your mind of who God is. Just some, we have churches and such nowadays, you've got rock concerts for song services and coffee, whatever's coming into church. It's just casual. It's just casual. And it brings God down to just, hey bud, how you doing? You know, it's just like, yeah, buddy here. He's not a buddy in that sense. He's God. 
And that's what makes him so great. Because that God, as we would get into, humbled himself so that he could have fellowship with you and me. That's what makes him so incredibly amazing and awe-inspiring that we would fear him. And I'm going way far ahead of my nose. But don't, that's the God we serve. Don't get, make sure you have him in the highest place. But his highest place came down to the lowest place so that he would have fellowship with you. What an incredible God. And therefore, we have such an appreciation, such an appreciation and our desire. We'd never want to do anything that's offensive to him and want to do anything that's wrong because that's the God that we serve. We serve him. You know, a son that fears a father or a child to a parent in that relationship, he would never want to intrude upon their prerogative or their privilege. How to explain that would a son at a home, maybe anybody at a home, it's your home. You can do whatever you want. But there's maybe certain things as a son or a daughter you would never do because that's the mother's or father's prerogative. And so you'd never step in. Hey, why don't you do this and this? Like, no, no, that's not, I, I'm not my dad. I'm not my mom. No, no, your son or daughter would never be like, yeah, I just put the home up for sale, dad. Yeah, you did what? It just wouldn't even come into the, the, the thought of a, uh, that's not my position. I'd never do that. That's my, my parents' role. That, that's there. So a, someone that fears accurately, I know that's a very extreme just to help you out, but he said, that's impossible. I'd never do that. That's, that's my father. And so a, a son or a daughter that would fear would never do anything that is the father's privilege or the mother's privilege. Now put that in spiritual. How much more? We're a temple of the Holy Ghost. Scripture says, what? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? My. So you don't have control. Something that is your father's prerogative, you are his. You're his and you fear him. You wouldn't want to do nothing. That's your stepping out of your boundaries. Because this temple, as Brother Ken even spoke on, is the Holy Ghost. You are not your own. Amen. So who am I to dictate my path and chart my course? Say, Lord, whatever you please. I fear you in this way. I revere you. Have your way with me. If we just walked that way, young person, middle person, old person, if you just walked just in these ways, in this example of how, in our lives, your spiritual walk would change in a drastic way. If we just feared God and placed Him in that highest place, it would change our lives. It would change change our lives. Amen. And I pray that is where he is in your, in your life. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just encouraging and maybe just bringing out this a little bit more for each one, maybe the younger ones. You know, a good child would never want to do anything that would, uh, that would grieve a parent. They'd never want to do that. 
they never want to offend their parent. Someone, a child that would, would have a, a, a respectful fear, they'd never, they would be sure that they would never do that. And that's why a son or a daughter of God, when we trip and we fall, there's a quick repentance. Because we have no desire to say, oh God, I wouldn't want to grieve you. I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to offend you, but I did something wrong. Forgive me, Lord. Because we're so conscious, we, we revere him in such fear. Oh, I did, Lord, I, I'm so sorry. I didn't want to do that. I love you too much that I would want, I don't want to grieve you at all. That's a fear for God. A fear of God. A holy fear. Because we'd never, ever, ever want where the father would think, my child doesn't esteem me. My child doesn't respect me. Oh, that would break a heart of a son and daughter of God. If our actions would emit that response, well, what are they doing? Do, do they, do they, they don't respect me. He's a jealous God. Lord, may we never give you no reason to doubt our love for you. Our love for you. Our desire. Amen. The fear of God. The beginning of all wisdom. The beginning of all wisdom and in Ecclesiastes it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. Ecclesiastes says, Ecclesiastes says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This is the last verse, I believe, second last verse in Ecclesiastes, which is the last book that the wisest man on earth outside of the Lord Jesus Christ wrote. He wrote these lines, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, of the whole matter, of all the wisdom that he has attained. He said, I'm going to conclude this for you. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Wrapped up right there. If you take, say, Solomon, the wisest man, he said, yeah, I'm going to conclude it all for you. Fear God. In this fear. Not in, I'm scared of him. But I revere you. Because it will change your whole way you walk in this world as you're wanting to ensure lord i'm just wanting to make sure i line up with your word i wanted to walk according to your commandments i do not want to offend you i don't want to grieve you lord am i disturbing you in any way and you're walking your life and ensuring that you're in his perfect will whatever happens something might go this way something might go that way. what's going on my world seems to be falling apart but i'm trusting in him and we'll go into that because Job said, though he slay me, yet I trust him. Proverbs 14, 26 says, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Amen. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Come on. And his children shall have a place of refuge. Amen. That's where the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. That's why Job could say, though he slay me, yet I trust him because he feared God. He knew he's in control. I don't know what's going on. He was wondering. God had to come and say, who do you think you are, Job? Where were you when the foundations of the earth were, were laid? And Job would say, Lord, though you slay me, yet I'll trust you. Because he feared the Lord and there's strong confidence in there. There's a refuge, a place of safety in the fear of God. Habakkuk. Habakkuk, if you read Habakkuk. Three chapters in Habakkuk is wondering, praying to God, what's going on with Judah or the iniquities of, of Israel? And, and I'll just try and sum it up very, very quickly there. 
and and he's one you know God is going to bring in punish the Babylonians the Chaldeans come in to to punish them and he's saying why the Babylonians they're just they're worse than than us and why would you use them to to come and and he's just praying and wondering and questioning and he back and forth in the in the chapters if you if you read it and then it comes to the end the end of the chapters but he says when I heard my belly trembled. My lips quivered. This was God. God had responded back to him of all that was going to happen. Yes, they were going to come in and, and, and judge Judah for, for, for their iniquities and sins and Babylon was going to come in. And then God was going to deal with Babylon and all of these things. And he says, Oh, when I heard my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered into my bones and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, it's going to be laid to waste. Neither shall fruit be in the vines. There's no vineyards. There's no peace. There's no nothing. It's going to be wiped out. The labor of the olive tree shall fail. They're going to be going into captivity. They're going to be taken away. They're going to be slaves. There's going to be people that will be killed. The fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. It's going to be nothing. It's going to be vanquished. God was coming in to place judgment. But he said, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. That was a fear for God. Because he had strong confidence that whatever happened, he's in control. I know he's with me, whatever his plan may be. I fear him. Therefore, I have confidence in the end because he will give me a refuge through this trial. The Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet and he will make me walk upon mine high places. That's the fear of God that you must have so that you can walk no matter what. No matter if you're up to your neck in troubles, over your neck in troubles as Job of calamities. But you can say, though he slay me. My goodness. That is the fear of God. Though he slay me, he could kill you. And take you from this earth in whichever fashion. Job, it looked like it was the worst of all. But he could say, though he slay me, yet I trust him. Because the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. Amen. Amen. Abraham. Let's talk about Abraham a little bit. Even when having to give up what we love maybe. In obedience. True fear of God gives us the confidence that God's in control. We'll go through Abraham. It came to pass, Genesis 22, after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said, Abraham, and he said, behold, here am I. Here I am. He said, take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest. God was sure to mention that. It's your only son, and you love him. And get thee to the land of Moriah. And offer him there for a burnt offering. Upon one of the mountains I will tell thee. We know the story. You say, oh, I've heard this so many times, but Michael. All right. So then, sum up the matter. The conclusion is, fear God. <laughs> You've got that all under control. You're walking in that fashion. But for those that are not, or those who need, need a little bit more encouragement. He had one son. After Many, many years, 25 years of staggering not. And now he's got his son and God's saying, go and kill him. And if he did not fear God, Abraham was saying, murder my kid. Murder him. That was not Abraham's response. That was not his response. 
even, even when it's giving up something that you love dearly. And you cannot tell me that Abraham did not have the most highest love for his son. He didn't understand it. Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled, took his two young men with him. Isaac, his son, clave the wood for the burnt offering, rose up, went into the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young, um, young men, abide here. And I and the lad are going to go yonder and worship and come again to you. I love the faith of Abraham. Oh my goodness. He'd gone through it so many times already. I just, he staggered not. He had his little mistakes and whatever else. God didn't even concern. He went through the blood and he says, no, he staggered not at the promise. And he's a man of faith. My goodness. And so here he is. I'll be back. You just stay there. I and the lad will be back. So here he goes. We'll come again to you. Abraham took the wood, burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac, his son, and took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they both of them went together. Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, Father, here I am, my son. Hold the fire in the wood. Where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham, my son, Abraham said, my son, God will provide a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both of them together again, just the faith, the confidence. He knew uh, he feared his God. He knew his God was in control. He says, he'll take care of it. He will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. My goodness, think of the burden and the weight that he was carrying as he walked up the mountain with the lad. And here this question has come. Can you put yourself in that position? You know that God's demanding you to slay your only son that you have waited for 25 years for. And he's saying, dad, where's the sacrifice? And he's looking right at him. He's looking at the sacrifice, knowing that God said, you're slaying him. He doesn't, he doesn't know there's anything at the end of it. He's looking at his son and saying, God will provide a sacrifice. That's the faith. That's the fear we have of God. You could be looking at the worst problem. God requiring something so difficult. And you can look in the face of it. The most difficult question. And you can say, God will provide the sacrifice. God will provide a way out. I don't know. He's, it looks like I'm going to have to do this. But he's going to provide a way out for me. I can see little Isaac. But Abraham says like Christ. Was obedient to death. Abraham reached down. Got the rope out of from under his belt. Come over. Takes little Isaac's hands. Ties them behind him. Isaac knowed what was going on then. But he was obedient, he says. I said, what an example of a son that we just described. That feared his father. Not, what are you doing? This is crazy. No, he was obedient. He didn't know. Now, he knew what's going on. But he, and he was in the same now position of Abraham where, but he was taught right. Because he also feared God. Daddies and mommies, you teach your sons and your daughters right. They might not know what's going on, but they fear God. And they know, I don't know what's happening. I know what's happening. My dad and mom doing this, but he's in control. I might understand it. You instill that at that age. That age. He never kicked up a storm. Now, wait a minute. I'm just a kid, Brother Bram says. I'm too young to be religious. You know, I got to have some rock and roll, he says. I got to do this. I got to do that. No, no, no. He's obedient. And he'd been brought up right. And he feared God. And he knew, hand behind his back, obedient to what God, Abraham, was asking him to do. He put his little hands behind and tied his feet, tied his arms, and laid him on the altar. Oh, 
What a moment. Try and put yourself at this place. Abraham having to continue to say, Lord, you said you provide a sacrifice. You're going to provide a sacrifice. How is this going to be? But he knew. God said, this is your son. This is the sands of the sea. The stars of the sky are going to come through him. So he knew whatever had to happen, it didn't matter. God had to do something. If God had to raise him up, he didn't really care. God was in control. That's the strong confidence you have when you fear God with a reverence. You know, it doesn't matter. God's in control. And Isaac is now laid on the altar. Abraham reached down and gets his knife out. But Abraham says he wets it. He sharpens it. Wets it a few times to make sure it was sharp. Razor sharp. He wouldn't want any suffering. He looks up to heaven. He said the skies are blue. He says, oh, it was probably about three o'clock in the afternoon when Christ died. Look at the prophets looking way out there. Took his little face and brushed the hair off his head. He's looking. God's demanding him. And he's now having to follow through. Looks out. Takes his head and here's his neck. But Abraham says his juggler veins coming across his throat. And he reached down and he kissed him. My son. My son. And here he knows God's down demanding him to take his life. Not knowing what would take place, but still trusting God. And that's what Abraham's seed does, but Abraham says he does the same thing. That's you. That's me. You might be in a situation and it's some desperate need, something very vital, your most precious thing in life. Abraham had to put his head, wipe the hair off his head, brush it aside. Get his neck. He knew he had to make this very quick. You could be in a situation just like that. So dire. God is demanding it. And still you are trusting him. That's the fear of God. Laid him on the altar. Gets his knife in his hand. Pulls his hair back and raises his knife. I can just imagine. Just imagine that moment. God was bringing him to the very brink of the moment. To see just how much Abraham feared him. And God will do the same to you and I. He will bring us to a point. He wants to see just how much do you really fear me. Because if you really fear him. In a reverence and respect. You will trust in him. All the way to the point where the neck is bared. And the knife is high. And you are seconds away from jabbing. Isaac. But Abraham says, but the Holy Ghost grabbed his hand. Stay thy hand, Abraham. Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angels of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham. He said, here am I. Oh, that would have been the sweetest thing to hear. Abraham. Yes, here am I. He was ready to plunge the, 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 the dagger, plunge the knife. Oh, but the sweetest sound when God can speak to you in the middle of your storm, in the middle of your need, and say, Margaret, Louise, Brother Nathan, yes, Lord, here am I. Here am I. He said, and he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do you thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou Fearest God. Now I know. 
That would have been the most difficult thing to go through for Abraham. But what a absolute, I don't even know the word. But God then knows that you fear him. You could go through the most difficult trial and God could say, so-and-so, Jack, Oren, Ben, now I know you fear me. Wouldn't you want him to know? Oh, I know. I know he fears me. I know Sister Tracy fears me. I know Anthony and Rosie fear me. My God knows I fear him. Glory. God, it might take us through the worst of situations, but God, that you would know that I revere you. You're, you're awe-inspiring. You're magnificent to me. You are my all in all. I, you know I fear you. Lord, that you know that of us tonight. That we fear you with a great reverence, with a great fear. And God will require that every son and daughter of God, every one of Abraham's seed. And it might not be easy, and it'll be that moment, but know this on the other side of it, He knows, He knows. That you fear him. Fear of God. Great confidence. And refuge in the time of storm. Amen. Let's move a little bit further here. My. I can't skip that. Brother Brandon says, where did that ram come from? He says, think of it. Practically 75 to, eight, 75 to 100 miles from civilization, wolves, lions, and everything in the country. He was on top of a mountain where there's no water. Ram wouldn't have existed. And why didn't Abraham even see the ram when he was picking up sticks and stones around to make an altar? It wasn't there. It was impossible for it to be there. The ram would have stayed, wouldn't have stayed, would have stayed that far away. It'd have been killed. It would have been, he goes, it would have been up to, wouldn't have been up on top of the mountain because you know yourself, sheep don't stay there. Sheep stay in the meadows. But here was this ram. Where did it come from? God created it. I love it. God created it. You say, there's no way out of my situation. It doesn't really matter because God created the ram. He'll create whatever you need to get yourself out of the situation. Don't worry about the out. Don't worry about where's the window, God, because there's no doors around here. He said, I'll create it. There's brick walls all around me. I don't really care. I'll create the solution. And that's the reason that Abraham called it Jehovah Jireh. My provider, the Lord will provide a sacrifice. Now he didn't see a vision. A vision didn't produce blood. He said in one service, he goes, oh, I caught that. Someone said it was a vision. He said it wasn't a vision. It was corporal blood. He said he killed the ram and offered the ram instead of his son. Why is it? Abraham was taking God at his word. Why? Because he feared him. And you'll take God at his word because we fear him with a great fear of reverence and respect. Plumb to the end, but Abraham says, Amen. Plumb to the end. Glory. That same fear that he had, Lord, give that to us. Amen. Scripture says, My, Psalm 34. Please tell me, have I been preaching that long already? Come on now. Help me out now. It's 8.52, right? I started at like 7.52. I know I did. You guys are being not kind. Psalm 34 says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. We sing the song and saved him out of all his troubles. We then skip to the next line when we sing. And we say, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. But there's a line in the middle of that that says the angel of the Lord encampeth around those that fear him. That needs to be added into the song because that is the critical part. The angels come around. Oh, God, the poor man cried. And God says, oh, don't worry. I got angels all around you because they're encamped about you because you fear me. Amen. My, what a rest. What a protection. You fear God. You revere him. You reverence the king of kings. He says, I just got him. Real protection, a hedge about you. It might look like Job, but there was still a hedge about him. He just peeled a little bit back to allow Satan to do what he, what he did to show that he fears me. Just like Abraham. So, if there's ever a breach in the wall, it's because just God allows it. So he can be like, see Satan? He fears me. God's in control of the encampment around you. Amen? Those angels don't move. Unless God says, hey, just just allow this a little bit. I just need to show devil that she fears me. She's my son. She's my daughter. He's my son. All right, Lord. I'll back you out for just a little bit. And then I'm back in position. Amen. Glory. Glory. I got to stop or it's going to be two hours. I hate to break it to you. I can't go further. Oh my, musicians, you're gonna have to come. Like pushing nine o'clock here. My goodness, that, when you're in that fear, fear of God, gives you confidence, gives you protection, it did for the Hebrew boys. They stood there, we spoke on it just a bit ago. They could, they didn't really care what was going on. They didn't care what the king said. They had confidence because they feared God enough to know it don't matter. He might, I might get burned. It doesn't really care, but I have confidence in him. He will step in at the time of need, and if not, I'll die for my king. It don't really matter to me. Amen. He did it for Peter. I can't imagine the boldness that he gave to Peter and Peter and John after the Holy Ghost fell at Pentecost. Oh my, timidly in there. But it didn't matter. He said they feared God. They feared God. It gave them a boldness then to speak. A boldness to stand and come out there and say, men and brethren, this is that that the prophet Joel spoke of. They went out there, didn't care anymore. There was no fear there. They feared God who gave him confidence, who gave him refuge, and then they could step forth. And if we went into the last part of the service, which would be another hour from now, they went into action. Nope. It's a long ways out. Long ways out. My goodness, God gave us strength to give, to do what we need to do. Spurgeon told of a story of Hugh Latimer who spoke at King Henry VIII way back in the day. And King Henry VIII, custom, he was a court preacher. And so they'd come and they'd present and they'd speak. And anyways, the story goes that he gave either like a cloth or a Bible to King Henry when he was speaking on the, uh, on his birthday. And it was a pocket handkerchief or a Bible, whichever, and it had the text on it. It said, whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Whew. My, that was boldness. He had strong confidence. It didn't really matter. I'm going to stand for what God has, what I stand on God's word. It don't really matter what the King Henry and all his whoremongering and adultery is. So he put that on there and gave it to him. And then he went and spoke. Spoke and preached a sermon before his most gracious majesty against the sins of lust. And he delivered himself with tremendous force, not forgetting or abridging the personal application. (laughs) Go out there. You fear God? 
It don't really matter what's going, what's around you. You'll be like a Hugh Latimer. You say, it don't matter, Satan. Sin is in front of me. I'm going to stand with confidence and boldness of my God. So then they said, you better make a change. King said, listen, bud, after Hugh Latimer preached, he said, next Sunday, you better apologize and mold your sermons to eat your words, according to the, the account. He thanked the king for letting him off so easily. And he came next Sunday and said, Hugh Latimer, thou art this day to preach before the high and mighty prince, Henry, king of Britain and France. If thou sayest one single word that displeases the majesty, he will take off the head. Therefore, mind what thou art. Then he said, Hugh Latimer, thou art this day to preach before the Lord God Almighty, who is able to cast both body and soul. Scripture says, fear him that can cast both body and soul into hell. And so tell the king the truth outright. And so he did. And his performance was equal to his resolution. And the king did not take off his head. (laughs) That's the boldness God can give you. When you stand with the fear of God, it don't matter the situation, where you're in work, or whether you're in school, or whichever, stand firm on your conviction and fear Him, not what's around you. Don't really care what your friends are saying. Don't really care what your work people and employees are saying. Stand on God's Word. Be a Hugh Latimer. In the face of the king. In the face of the devil. Say, it's wrong. Stand amongst your friends and say, it's wrong. He did indeed. Amen. My goodness. Glory. We'll go part two. We'll go part two. Amen. I want to sing. There's no one like our God. There's no one like our God. As we said in the beginning. And the earth is filled with his glory. Where are those words? His voice is like thunder. His word is forever. His love is unfailing. Flows like a river. Worthy of glory and honor and power and praise is our God. Let us stand. Let us worship. Let's revere. Let's fear our God. I want to hear it come out of the speakers. Figuratively. Anthony and Rosie, sing this one with all your heart. Amen. The Gindos phrase... Sister Victoria, sing it with all your heart. He stretches the heavens like curtains before him. He forms every star and calls it by name. We preached on that. That's our God. Fear him in this way. And your life will never be the same. Let's sing it. He stretches. Oh. I need to hear it. Forms every star. does not grow weary His strength goes no way The greatness Oh, none can comprehend Who is like unto our God Who is like unto our God No one beside Oh,
before. I love it. I love it. It brings such a sweet atmosphere. Holy, holy is thy name. It's in the song book. I know you do. No, it's not that. You know the song. Holy is thy name. Holy is thy name. With a healing touch, no other name that I love as much as Jesus. Oh, holy is. Sing that again now, sweetie. Holy. Oh,
other name that I love. No other name that I love as much as my Jesus. Oh, and holy is thy name. Sing one more time, sweet and deliver, power to heal and that's why we can sing holy, holy is thy name Lord Lord I pray tonight Lord that in your temple, in your throne room tonight that your word, the words and the praises of your people were heard Lord, maybe the pillars shook Lord as we sang worthy worthy and we worshipped you we could fear you Lord with this fear with this reverence, with this desire, Lord, that we'd never want to grieve you. Lord, forgive us. Wash us, Lord, as better John prayed tonight, Lord. Cleanse us with your blood. Hallelujah, Lord. Bless your people. Lord, may they have a wonderful week. May your presence be with them. May, Lord, you bring us closer to you. That's what your word, Lord, we desire your word brings us closer to you. And our walk would be that much sweeter as the days go by. Dismiss each one, Lord. Go in their homes. Your presence would linger with them now. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a wonderful week. You can continue to worship him. You can continue to glorify the Lord. Maybe in your days ahead, you can just be walking where in your path or in your work. You just say, Lord, you're worthy. I fear you, my God. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.